You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Well, howdy and hello, New Spring family, United in Christ. That is the title of a brand new series we're beginning today on the book of Ephesians. So if you've got your Bible, I hope you do. I want you to open them up to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, we're actually going to preach through the entire first chapter, all 23 verses of Ephesians in this service. Unless I really just mess up, uh, we're going to try to get all 23 done. Is that all right with you guys? Is that okay? Uh, how you doing, church? Everybody doing all right? New Spring, it's good to see you. Uh, I know there's some folks that are joining uh, online today. We've had a lot of folks that I just happen to know that are having babies and they're home with newborns and there's folks that are on vacation and, and uh, there's all the folks that are new on all of our campuses. So Anderson Campus, would you help me welcome all of our campuses and the folks that are joining us online? We welcome you. Glad you're here. Um, we just had a fantastic Mother's Day last weekend. I thought Pastor Dan did a fantastic job in that message. And we are starting a brand new series on Ephesians. And uh, let me give you a little bit of background if you're taking notes. Uh, Ephesians, where is Ephesus? And I'm going to kind of cover a little bit of the who, what, where, why at the top right here and to give you some handles. And we're going to preach this thing and then have a really great time of response if all goes well. Uh, but he, where is Ephesus? Let's take a look at the map and uh, let's figure out where Ephesians is. There it is. There's Ephesus. Uh, let me orient ourselves. Everybody recognize the boot of Italy right there? You learned that one like in grade school, the old boot and the shoe. Okay, there's Rome and then come on back this way. And there is Ephesus. It's in modern day, this whole region that is called Galatia in the Bible. It's called Turkey today. All right. So that's where Ephesus is. And uh, there's some familiar names here, isn't there? Anybody ever heard of the city Colossae? Paul wrote a book to the church of Colossians, all right, and then here's the region of Galatia. Paul wrote a book to the church of Galatians, okay. How about this one up here? Philippi, there's a book of Philippians, and then Thessalonica, that's the books of First and Second Thessalonians, and then this one right over here, that's the book to the church in Rome. And uh, so, just so you know, uh, the book of Ephesians was a letter that was written by Paul like 13 of them that are in the New Testament, 27 books in the New Testament of the Bible, and 13 of those were penned by Paul, and one of them was the letter to the church in modern-day Ephesus. Just another little factoid, anybody ever read the books First or Second Timothy? First, Second Timothy, show of hands. That was to a young man, a young pastor named Timothy, and guess where he pastored? Ephesus. So First and Second Timothy was also about uh, the church there in Ephesus. The, the gospel um, writer John, one of the apostles, he also wrote the book of Revelation. And in his book of Revelation, he writes a letter to the church of Ephesus. It's one of the seven churches that John writes to. And he actually encouraged them to remember their first love. So all of that stated, a little bit of background here, Ephesians and the church that is located in Ephesus is the most featured church in the New Testament. We can know more about the church and more about the way to operate in the church and more about how to navigate our role in it and together us um, than any other church that we look at. And so God put it on display for us to take a peek at it. And it had a lot of historical context. A little more background of the church of Ephesus is they were not of Jewish origin. 
They weren't the Jewish people that were located way down there in Jerusalem. These were Gentiles. This was a Greco-Roman world. And so uh, as you can see, the church there in Ephesus, uh, it's on the port city. And so actually, if you reach Ephesus, the way that commerce worked, it flowed to the whole region through Ephesus, okay? So it would start here in Ephesians, and then the whole commerce system of that world would flow through Ephesus. The same is true with the Scriptures, And so if you wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus, it would be passed on to the other churches. Laodicea is up here, it's not on the map. Colossians down there, and it would be passed on. So Paul wrote this letter, and it was one of the letters that he wrote from prison, known as the prison letters or the prison epistles, which is um, Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. So he wrote this letter in chains, all right? Now, I want to give you some handles to hold on to this letter. And I got to ask you a question on all of our campuses. Show of hands, not rhetorical. How many of you have at your house some chickens? Where are you at, chicken people? Right here on the front row. Ryan, you got chickens? I got chickens. Chickens, chickens, chickens. Okay, uh, for those of you relocating to South Carolina, chickens is kind of a rural thing, I know. It's a southern thing for sure. Up in the balcony, I saw your hand, chickens. My wife has gone chicken crazy, y'all. We've got nine chickens at my house, Nine. And my daughters are all involved in it. But these chickens, um, they, they require some things. They require chicken grit. Now, I'm about to teach you some stuff here, okay? Chicken grit, emphasis on the G, grit. Chicken grit is what are required of chickens because they don't have lips and they don't have teeth, y'all. And chicken grit is just gravel and chickens eat it. And you know where it goes? Chicken grit goes into the gizzard. And then inside of the gizzard, when chickens eat their food, they use their gizzard to chew that food with the chicken grit. That's how you digest food, all right? That's an education, all right? I married a farmer's daughter. I'm giving you guys a little bit of education. Let me give you some grit that you're gonna need to digest the book of Ephesians, all right? Here it is. The grit that's gonna walk with us this entire journey, the most helpful I've ever received are these three words. You ready for them? Here they are. Sit, walk, Stand. Say them with me. Sit, walk, stand. One more time. Sit, walk, stand. If you will take these three words and you will leverage them as we read the book of Ephesians, you will see this is the way the book of Ephesians moves. It starts by sitting, being seated in Christ. And then after we're seated in Christ, we begin walking out the Christian life. And then it finishes, if you know Ephesians, it finishes with spiritual warfare and how to stand against the enemy. These three words are going to help establish identity, unity, and victory. Identity, unity, and victory happen when we sit, walk, stand. And if you wanna know where that came from, it came from a Chinese pastor named Watchman Nee. He wrote a beautiful book on Ephesians called Sit, Walk, Stand. So today, my job with Ephesians chapter one is to really show you um, the emphasis on this idea of sitting and receiving our identity in Jesus. How many of you are ready for the word? You ready for it? You got your Bibles? All right, if you don't, you can click there, but we've got all 23 verses. I need you to sit up in your seat. Let's engage. I'm gonna read all 23 verses of Ephesians chapter one. Here it comes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with 
every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Emphasis on capital B, proper name, beloved. In the beloved. In Jesus, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. In Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now watch what Paul prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and then he seated him at his right hand. Emphasis on seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under Jesus' feet and he gave Jesus his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord. We've read it, and now we invite you to read us. Would you encourage us? Would you build us? Would you establish our identity? Would you bring us together in unity that we might stand in victory against the schemes of the enemy? Lord, we humble ourselves and we say, come Holy Spirit, teach us today. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. And we all say together, amen, amen. So the title of this series and the title of today's message is very simply, United in Christ. United in Christ. That's what the Lord is trying to do for the church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, and it's what he continues to do in his church today. He wants to unite us in Christ. And he's gonna do it by three things. He's gonna give us an unshakable identity so that we might walk in 
unity that we might stand in victory. That's what he's doing through the arc of this whole thing. Now, I gotta ask a question on all of our campuses. How many of you love a good Disney movie? Show of hands, show of hands, show of hands. Now, how many of you know the very best Disney movie of all time? It came out in 1994, and it was so good, in fact, they've done a remake of it. Any guesses to the very best Disney movie of all time? Beauty and the Beast, no way, man. That's a pretty good one. The Lion King, oh, come on, right? Come on, the Madisons are with me. The Lion King, it's my favorite. It might not be your favorite, but it is my favorite. And here's what you need to know about Disney movies. They understand the idea of identity. And so today, what I wanna make sure I do is help translate identity, identity, identity. In The Lion King, I need you to help me sing it if you know it, don't be ashamed, Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries. Come on. For the rest of your days, it's our problem free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. That's all I got, okay? I'm a dad, and uh, some of y'all are gonna go watch Lion King today. We watched it this week. But here's the story of the Lion King around identity. Remember, it starts off with Mufasa. Mufasa, 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 right? And he lifts up his son, Simba, the prince. But then the whole building action of the entire story is that mean old Uncle Scar who comes in and he manipulates Mufasa. He kills him, but he blames Mufasa's death on his son, Simba. He challenges him with shame and guilt. And so what does Simba do? Runs off into the wilderness, runs away from his purpose, runs away from his call. Listen, runs away from his identity. Until one faithful day, he meets a pastor. You remember the name of his pastor? Rafiki, that's exactly right. He meets Rafiki and Rafiki comes to him and he says, I know you, but you've forgotten who you are. And he leads him to the, to the pond and he tells him, look, I wanna show you your father. And he leans in and he looks once and he says, no, that's just my reflection. He goes, no, 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 no. Look again, look a little harder. And his father shows up and he speaks identity into him. And it was upon his identity that the, the now young, strong lion Simba goes back home to his family and he fights off mean old Uncle Scar and all the hyenas and he ushers in a brand new generation of life and vigor and he establishes the circle of life. In the circle. Okay, sorry, sorry. He establishes the circle of life. You see, Disney understands a thing about identity. Now they miss identity in a lot of other areas and this is why it's so important because what God wants to do is he wants to establish identity and it's out of that identity that we walk in our activity and we fight for victory. You see, this is the way the Lord has done it from the very beginning. Our identity, listen to me, our identity is not something we find by looking just within. Our identity is not something you can go down and discover by searching inside. Our identity has to be spoken to us from something external and we have to hear, listen to me, the voice of the Father speak our identity to us. Here's the truth practically today. You have an identity. Let me ask you a question. I'll look right at you in the eyes. Who are you really? Who are you? In our world today, we might think who we are is based on what we can buy. It's the clothes we wear. It's the home we own. 
It's the car we drive. It's based on what we can buy. Some other things in our world are, are based on not what we can buy, but what we can build. Our identity is the, the degrees we acquire or the relationships we can establish or the company we can build. Or it's based on power and how we bully our world to all revolve around us. But I want to tell you the scripture has a completely different way of speaking about identity. You can't buy it, you can't build it, you can't bully it, but you can be born into it. Matter of fact, you have to be born again to receive a new identity. And that's exactly what Ephesians chapter one does is it establishes for a group of new Christians up in Ephesus, they did not worship Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. They were pagans. They were actually worshipers of a whole completely different God. They worshiped Artemis. As a matter of fact, that's what the city of Ephesus was known for. It was one of the seven wonders of the world was the temple to the Greek goddess Artemis, the goddess of provision and the goddess of sexuality, the goddess of fruitfulness. You can go there today and you can see the old ruins of that temple, but this is actually a picture of what that temple would look like if we were to see it, okay? It's gonna be back here on this back screen, but this huge temple can can be the way of worship that these people lived in for years and years and years. Let's see if we can get that picture up real quick. It's gonna be back here on the back screen. Uh, right there it is, okay? There it is. And so people would come and they would bring their sacrifices to Artemis. And this was the culture of the church in Ephesus. They thought that their identity was based on sacrifice and work and paying homage to Artemis and then Ephesians was written to a church that did not necessarily know their identity. And Paul writes in chapter one to a, a bunch of pagans that are starting to respond to the gospel. And he says, you have got to know who you are. You gotta know who you are. You gotta have an unshakable identity. And that the, listen, the Christian life is not first about what we do, but instead is about sitting down and being reminded of what Jesus has done. This is the Christian life. You looking at me? It is sitting and receiving a new identity in Christ. Now, I don't know if you're like me, firstborn, type A, love to achieve, love to work, love, 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 earning, earning, earning. But this grates, this idea of sitting down and being seated with Christ and being told this is who you are in Christ, this is very difficult for me. Anybody else feel like this is difficult for them to sit and know that the Lord is who he is and that my identity is not first about going out and walking something out or doing something, but is instead living in the tetelestai of Jesus. It is finished. Receive what has been done for you. Look at me. Jesus this morning wants to establish an unshakable identity before you go out and fight, before you go out and walk, before you stand against the enemy. The key to standing against the enemy and walking in unity is first to sit and receive identity. This is the key. This is the key. If you wonder why there's not unity in the earth, it's because we've forgotten who we are in Christ. If you wonder why there's not unity in the church, it's because we have division and we've forgotten who we are in Christ. We've got to sit down and receive our identity in Jesus. So important, unshakable identity is the first step before we walk into anything 
else. And that's exactly what God is doing through Paul in chapter one. He wants to establish this. Now listen, I know this to be true and so do you because of a key word that was spoken right there at the very beginning in verse six, I believe it was. Paul talks about Jesus and us receiving uh, a unitedness with Christ and he uses a proper name to describe Jesus. At the very end of verse six, he says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, with which he has blessed us, God the Father has blessed us in the beloved, beloved, capital B, beloved. Now let me ask a question. Does that word remind anybody else of another scripture? Does it paint any pictures or draw any other places in scripture to mind? Well, it's a really unique word in the New Testament, beloved, capital B. It comes from Matthew chapter three. It comes from the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry in a moment where Jesus steps out of being unknown and in the darkness of the first 30 years of his life and he shows up to John the Baptist one faithful morning and he is baptized. Let's read it together because it's gonna be important for us to understand. Matthew chapter three, verse 16, it says this. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and coming to rest on Jesus. And behold, a voice from heaven said, church, would you read these bold words with me on three, every campus together? And from uh, a, a voice from heaven said, one, two, three, here it is. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is the moment where God the Father establishes Jesus the Son's unshakable identity. And he does it out loud, not for the benefit of Jesus. Jesus knew who he was, but for the benefit of you and I so that we would forever in the record of the gospel understand that Identity is the foundation for Christian living. Understanding who you are in Jesus was the foundation. And so there's three things that are really present here. Three things that you can see. Number one, Jesus is the son of God. Number two, Jesus is loved by God. And number three, God is pleased with Jesus. One more time, I wanna make sure you can even write these down if you want. Number one, Jesus is the son of God. Number two, Jesus is loved by God. And number three, God is pleased with Jesus. Now, why is that so important? Look at me. Because this same unshakable identity is on offer to you and I as well, not because of what we have earned in our efforts, but because of what Jesus has accomplished in his victory. And so being united in Christ before we begin this journey of Ephesians means we need to sit down and we need to hear the Father say, just like Jesus, you, if you're in Christ, are my child, I love you, and I am pleased with you. You with me? So here's the point. Before Jesus performed a miracle, before Jesus preached a sermon, before Jesus raised the dead, before Jesus laid hands and healed the blind, before Jesus did anything, his identity was established. 
And one of the keys for you and I in this Christian life is that you do not have to curry favor with God by devotional life, by prayer, by showing up at church, by serving anywhere, by giving anything. That is not where your favor with God is established. You doing anything is not where you get your favor with God. Rather, you sitting and receiving everything that Jesus has done for you is where you get your standing with God. Amen? If you'll receive that, say amen. Amen? This is the essence of the gospel. Now, why is it so important? Jesus gets this identity established, and if you're following along in the scriptures of Matthew, this is at the very end of Matthew. You turn to Matthew chapter four, verse one, literally the next verse, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit for 40 days into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let me point this out. Jesus had God's pleasure in him before he experienced the pressures of ministry on him. The same thing is true for you and me. Look at me. You need to know inside that God loves you and is pleased with you before you face your job this week, before you face the stress of life, before you face what's going on in this world. So many people get crushed by the pressures of life and the Christian message and the Christian life is not that God is gonna remove pressure from you. If you have thought that following Jesus meant that life was gonna be easy, Come on, somebody. Life's not gonna be easy and it was not meant to, but you were meant to be walking in the identity of Jesus in such a way that the pleasure of God can meet the demands of reality that the pressure of life brings on you and me. You need this for your marriage. You need this for raising your teenagers. You need this for your career. You need this for your college. You need this for growing old. You need this for retirement. You need this in your life. Unshakable identity is the foundation to walk in unity and stand in victory. It is so important. Look exactly at what the tempter says to Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 3, and in Matthew 4, verse 6. He comes after the identity of Christ. Let's look at it. It said, after that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, that Satan comes to him, and these exact words are recorded twice. And the tempter came and said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, what's he going after? He's going after that unshakable identity. If you are the son of God, literally the verses before this, the sky opens up, the Holy Spirit descends and God's voice booms. This is my son. I love him and I'm pleased with him. And not three verses later, here comes Satan and he's coming after his identity. Hey, listen to me. The enemy's not creative. He's been doing this play from the very beginning. He did this exact same play to Adam and Eve in the garden and they fell for it. But Jesus and his victory, he didn't fall for it. He overcomes it. He knows who he is. And so he is able to walk through this identity challenge that the enemy brings to him. And now because of that in Christ, you and I can walk in the identity of Christ, the unity of Christ and the victory of Christ. This is such a big deal. And so Lucifer, Satan, the devil, all his minions, look at me. He's not gonna come after you with a pitchfork and with fangs and with smoke and a red jumpsuit. That's not what he does, friends. But you know what he comes after? He comes after you with doubt. He comes after you with the thought that you're not enough. 
He comes after you with the shame of mistakes in your past. He comes after you with the voice of someone who doesn't even know they're speaking death to you. An old coach, a parent's anger, a teacher perhaps. And in one moment, the enemy might be able to get in your mind the real question for you to ask is, who am I really? Am I really what the world says I am about my sexuality? Am I really what the world says I am about my failures? Am I really what the world says I am about my addictions? Look at me, that and so much more. This morning, you need to hear, you are who God says you are in Christ. Write this down. God's unshakable identity led to his personal victory. If you've been catching L's like LeBron James to the Denver Nuggets, and you're down in the series of life, you need to know who you are in the Lord. There's just something about the voice of the Father that is so, so powerful. Christ's unshakable identity led to his personal victory. This is the big deal. This is what Christian life is. It is walking in the power of that. This is what gathering on a Sunday is all about. We are here today with the lyrics on the screen and the encouragement in the seats and in the rows is so that we might rehearse the truth of God together. Because the enemy's coming after this idea of if you really are a daughter of God, if you really are a, a son of God, you wouldn't act that way. You wouldn't talk that way. You wouldn't live that way. You wouldn't have done those things you did five years ago or in your first marriage or in that old job. He's coming after your identity. And what we do when we come together on a Sunday morning and we say, I'm getting out of my house and I'm getting together with the people of God is we rehearse the truth of scripture. We encourage one another as we sing. Did you notice the lyrics? I wanna call your attention to them. The lyrics of what we sing are glory to God and reminders of who we are in Christ because we need that. And we don't need that just on Sunday. How many of you know you need it every single day, amen? So tomorrow morning when you get up and you get in this word before you open up your cell phone and start flipping with your thumb, you need to be reminded of who God is and who I am in light of what Christ has done, amen? That's why our vision statement at New Spring is that you and I are called to have an everyday relationship with God. Let me stop and pause. One of the reasons that there is so much division in Christianity is we've got people that have settled for a Sunday-only relationship with Jesus. And so there's all kinds of identity and all kinds of walking out and losing in the, the world's spaces because we don't have an everyday relationship where we're reminded every day of who we are. So I want to encourage you, Christian saint, bear down on the everyday relationship. Bear down on your men's groups or your women's groups or your home groups or your small groups. If you don't have one of those, don't leave the building today without stopping at one of our guest services areas and saying, I need to get in a circle because I want an everyday relationship because I need people to remind me of who I am in God, unshakable identity is essential for walking in unity and standing in victory. If you'll receive that, say amen. Amen. I want to invite everybody on our campuses to our feet before we respond. Our response time every single week is about rehearsing this truth. As you come and you receive the elements today, you're reminded of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you, broken for you, blood poured out for you, for the saints, so that you might 
just like you come and receive him, you might know God is pleased with you and you might walk out the rest of your week in the victory of Jesus. But not only communion, our prayer teams that are up here, one of the reasons they're here is to pray for you if you're going through discouragement, to pray for you if you need to be reminded of who you are in Christ. They might pray some words over you that just really, again, bear down on who you are in Jesus, not who you are because of what you've done, not who you are because of your effort or your lack thereof, but who you are in Jesus. One of the other things that we'll invite you to do in this time is what we said right at the beginning. You might just need to sit. Just sit down and listen to the lyrics of these songs that are gonna remind you of who you are in Christ so that you can come and receive his unshakable identity. You know, this isn't just something that is theology from the scripture. This is something I've experienced in my own life. Um, in the first service this morning, my dad was here. And I grew up in a, in a home not of perfect parents, but of parents that loved Jesus. And one of the things I will never forget is at 23 years of age, I was getting my master's degree in construction, science, and management to go back home into a third-generation family business. And I started attending New Spring Church. Uh, this was my church home. I was serving in the student ministry just as a volunteer and that was where the Lord started working on me about my calling. I was invited to pray about coming on staff here. But if I came on staff at this church, that meant that I wasn't going to go back and take on the family business. And I was torn. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a moment like this, but I felt torn. I didn't know what to do. And I remember praying and asking God for clarity. And I could take you to the place, the apartment in Clemson, South Carolina, where the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and he made it all clear. He was calling me into ministry. He was calling me away from the family business and he was calling me to instead of building buildings to come and build his church. And I remember reaching out in trepidation to my dad and saying, dad, I need to come home and talk to you about something. And so I, I scheduled a meeting, drove back home to North Carolina. My dad and I, we went to Applebee's and he had a Bourbon Street steak. Just one of those things you won't forget. Don't let the song get in your mind. Okay, stay with me. And um, in the car ride back to his office, I was telling him that I knew God was calling me into ministry and, and I wasn't gonna be coming back into the family business and I was asking for his blessing. And my parents were Christians. They are Christians. They love Jesus. But this was really difficult. I was the oldest in the third generation family business and up until that point, they hadn't put any pressure on me, but I was trending but a phrase my dad said in that car ride that I will never forget, he said these words to me. He said, son, the Lord told me we were gonna have this conversation when you were a little boy. I just didn't know it was gonna be today. And he was crying happy tears. The reason I say that to you is fathers, spiritual fathers, mamas, spiritual mamas, there's something about the voice of God the Father working through his spiritual family that can affirm some things in the next generation that are so vital. And I have thought back to that conversation I've had with my dad so many times. That was 18 years ago. In the difficulty of life, 
He did not affirm my last name, Cooper, and going to work at Cooper Construction Company, but rather he affirmed my heavenly sonship. I am a son of God, and just like my Abba Father was pleased, my heavenly Father had passed on to my earthly Father that he was pleased, and he blessed me to step into ministry. Some of you need to be reminded of who you are in Christ today, and you might need to have someone else speak that over you. Don't ever, ever, ever Second guess, if the Lord has called you to share encouragement with somebody at your campus or a younger person in your, in your rows or in your, in your campus, listen to me, they need it. Paul spoke these exact words over Timothy because Timothy's earthly father, we don't think, followed Jesus. And it was Paul, his spiritual mentor, who told Timothy, son, you are my spiritual son and I wanna remind you of your spiritual identity Go and serve Jesus. Don't, be, don't let anybody look down on you because you're youth, but serve him as an example. So listen, as we begin to respond today, we're gonna have a chance to come to the table, to come and receive prayer. But I want to encourage you to share these kind of words at your campus, not just today in the gathering, but in your home groups, in your serving. If the Lord prompts you to share encouragement on identity, do it because you'll never know. Moms and dads, you never know how the Lord could use your voice to galvanize something he's been doing in the sons and daughters of this house. Amen? And we pray. Ministry teams come and we'll respond. Father God, thank you for Ephesians chapter one. Thank you that before we're called to walk anything out or do anything, to fight the enemy or to stand against the unseen realm in spiritual warfare, long before any of that, you established our identity in Christ. You established that we are sons and that we are daughters. You established that we are loved and that you are pleased. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are facing life's pressure. And today they need to be reminded of God, their father's pleasure. That's how they're gonna be equipped to walk into an everyday relationship for the difficulties of, of everything we face in this world. Physical difficulties, relational difficulties, emotional difficulties, spiritual difficulties. We need to be reminded today of your pleasure. And so, Lord, would you do that now in this time of response as we sit, as we listen, as we hear you tell us who we are in Christ. We receive it now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Feel free to respond. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.